0: Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa,
1: California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ, it shows us who.
0: Faith appeals to God on the basis of His mercy. Even on our best days, we stumble and miss the mark. We don't deserve God's grace and kindness, but yet we receive it anyway, not because of anything we've done or can do, but all because of what Jesus has done for us. Here is part two of Cheryl's message, titled, Four Aspects of Faith.
1: Faith comes to Jesus. Faith comes to God on the basis of mercy, not personal merit. Now there's a tax collector and he beats his breast because he knows he has no right appeal to God. There's nothing that he's done right. He's stolen from people. He's exacted too much. He's an outcast from his own people. He's considered a friend of Rome. In fact, we're told that he couldn't even look up to heaven. Those of you who are parents, I had. He used to be little, now he's bigger than me. But my son, Char, I remember I could always tell when he had done something naughty because he couldn't look at me braiding the same t- way. My, my two boys. I love it. Such a big guilt complex that if they had been naughty, they could not look at me. You'd be like, Char, how you doing? Fine. So anything happen at school? <laughs> school? <laughs> no, school, no way. <laughs> okay, what'd you do at school? Should I call the teacher? No, Mom, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put itching powder down Jamie's back. It just kind of happened. There was the itching powder... <laughs> There was Jamie, that actually happened. So, but I just remembered he could not look at me. You know, that's what guilt does. And this man felt like I can't even look, look to heaven because I'm not, I'm so unworthy. But have mercy on me, God. Have mercy. And Jesus said, this tax collector went away justified. Justified. What is justified? It means he went away qualified. Qualified to be heard by God. Qualified to receive mercy. So the activity of faith appeals to God on the basis of God's mercy. He knew that he was a sinner. And that word is harmatia. He knew that he missed the mark. This is the basis of faith. Lord, I've missed the mark. I can't make the mark, even on my best days, when I'm really, really good. Even with my best gifts and my best goodness, I cannot merit your grace. I cannot earn your mercy, your compassion, your goodness, your kindness. It is always on the basis of what Jesus has done for me. Now, thirdly, and this is the little three of the first one. So we're still on the activity of faith, right? So the activity of faith. Now, this one I absolutely love. Luke 18, 15 through 17. What's the activity of faith? The activity of faith is to do everything you can to get in the arms of Jesus like these little children who just ran up to Jesus and were climbing all over him. I think that the disciples probably thought, no, we should have more respect for Jesus. Children are to be seen and not heard. And Jesus is saying, don't you dare forbid these children. I love um, this story in Mark because it tells us that Jesus rebuked his disciples. In fact, it tells us that Jesus was angry with his disciples this is the only time that you find Jesus angry with his disciples. The only time. When was it? When they try to keep the children away from him. He said, let. And, and that word let is in the Greek, always let. Always allow the children to come unto me. Never, no, never, never, never forbid the children from coming to me. For this is what the kingdom of God consists of and is all about. At another time, when Jesus was with the disciples and they were arguing about who was the greatest, we're told that Jesus took a child and put him in the very midst of the disciples and said, this one's the greatest, this one. And he says, and whoever receives one of these little ones in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Oh, children are of such great value. But look at these children. They're brash and bold. You see, faith, the activity of faith, is brash and bold to get to Jesus. Don't you love the way children, like, they get to places that an adult would never go? You know, they squirm. They, you know, I don't know about you. Again, going back to my boys— They were always trying to get out of holding my hand. Yeah, they were always like, their hands were constantly moving, trying to make, you know, get dislodged some way. And I remember this one time I was shopping, and I wasn't really paying attention to where Char was. When I saw this huge crowd gathered outside the store, looking in the store window, and they're all laughing, and it's getting bigger and bigger, and I'm thinking, wonder what's going on in the store window. And then I went to grab Char, because Kristen was always right by my side. And Char's gone. And sure enough, he was in the store window doing dances and singing and drawing a crowd. But, you know, I would never go in a store window and do anything. But there he was, brash and bold. We are to be brash and bold. In fact, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 that we have bold entrance into the throne room of grace. Therefore, let us enter in boldly, boldly, not in the confidence of who we are, but in the confidence that what Jesus has done is so thorough, So perfect was his sacrifice that because Jesus is perfect, I have bold entrance. I was on an airplane when I was in my 30s, and I was watching a movie called Shadowlands, and I remembered that the airline steward, flight attendant, I knew there was a new term for them. I'm trying to get used to, you know, this new era that I'm living in, he came up to me and he said, I heard that you guys were flooding the plane, my girlfriend and I. You know, you were crying so much Strange Shadowlands. I was like, well, I just love C.S. Lewis, watching this movie. And, he, and I just started kind of sharing the Lord with them. And he says, you know, I think that you are just so prideful to say that you are going to heaven. Nobody knows that. And he said, I would be totally prideful if I thought it was me or something I did. But if I'm going on the merit of Jesus Christ and I am saying that he is absolute perfection, that his blood is absolutely so powerful and so effective, that it was able to forgive and cleanse me of all my sins and give me a bold entrance into heaven that it has nothing to do with me. In fact, it humbles me to the core and glorifies the Son of God. And he's like, well, that's an interesting way to look at it. (laughs) But faith is bold and brash in coming to Jesus. Those children... They knew they were wanted and they were accepted. They had absolute confidence in the goodness and love of Jesus, that they were wanted. They felt so safe with Jesus. Next, we see in the activity of faith that faith is devoted to Jesus In Luke 18, verses 18 through 30, we have this, um, if you put all the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke together, you've got this rich, young ruler. He's earnest, and he's moral. And he falls at Jesus' feet, and he says, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, notice that the emphasis is on these two words. I do. And Jesus systematically showed this rich young ruler that his morality, his riches, his influence, his youth, all of his earthly advantages were actually disadvantages because the essential is faith. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? For there is none good but God. You see, Jesus gets right away to the premise. There is no one good. No one can merit. But God. God alone is good enough. And if you're coming to me because you recognize I'm good, that means I'm God. And if I'm God, then you need to follow implicitly and explicitly because I am God. I am God. Now, no doubt this rich young ruler wanted a pithy proverb, wanted a piece of advice, a good suggestion, a feat to fulfill, something to put on his to-do list that he could check off like, yes, I'm in. And Jesus brings up the law. The commandments, it's interesting because he stops right before the commandment, thou shalt not covet. But he brings the the moral ones. Honor your mother and father. Don't murder, don't kill, don't lie. And he says, I've done all these from my youth. And Jesus said, you lack one thing? You see, he lacked the very essential, which is faith. Faith puts God first. That's what faith does. It puts God above all. Faith is devoted to Jesus. And faith will not allow anything to supersede Jesus because Jesus is good, because Jesus is God. And since Jesus is God, he is worth every earthly sacrifice because he's God. The activity of faith, Is to make the impossible possible. Peter, watching Jesus in essence, send the rich young ruler away, saying, Sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. We're told this rich young ruler went away sad because he had so many possessions. He was holding on to his possessions. They they gave him status. They gave him an identity. They gave him a sense of importance, a sense of security. And he couldn't let them go to follow Jesus. And he went away sorrowful. He went away sad. Mark tells us that Jesus had compassion on him. Jesus recognized the internal struggle with this young man, wanting to, but it was so hard for him to give away those things that had become his identity, that had become his security, that had become his status. So Peter looking at this situation, and now imagine this. If somebody came into our fellowship today, you're like, they're rich, <laughs> they're young, <laughs> they've got influence. They've got, you know, they're a CEO. The big company. Wow. And they're at our church. Yes. And they're earnest. They want to know, like, what do they need to do? And, and they're moral, they're upright. We'd be like, oh man, sit on the front row. Pastor Brian has a message for you. You know, we'd be like, oh, we got a CEO. But that's not enough for Jesus. That matters nothing to Jesus. None of those things merit anything with Jesus. Jesus is looking for faith. And faith is willing to make everything secondary to serving Jesus. Faith doesn't want anything in the way, anything to supersede. So Peter, looking at this, this whole encounter, says to the Lord, Lord, who then... what's going on here and Jesus says how hard it is for those who have riches to be saved it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to be saved Peter's hearing this says, Lord then who can be saved and Jesus says with men it's impossible but with Jesus all things are possible Now, you've no doubt read in some commentary, heard some preachers say, now in Israel, there's this little gate called the eye of a needle. And if a camel goes down on its knees, like really a devout praying camel, and puts its head really low and squirms and squeezes, it can make it through, but it would have to bow completely to get through the eye of the needle. Hogwash. That's what my dad would say. Hogwash. My dad would get so upset. My dad, Chuck Smith, just to throw it out there, he would get so upset when he heard that because you know what it is? It's man's attempt to still somehow merit heaven. Well, if I just get low enough, humble myself enough, if I just pray enough, if I just squirm and squeeze myself through, then I can save my life self. If I just try hard enough, if I'm just earnest enough about getting through that gate, then I can be saved. Jesus said with men, it is impossible. You're trying to get a camel through an eye of a needle. And Jesus said, that's impossible. We're talking about a tailor's needle and a big old double hump camel. I just threw the extra hump in for emphasis it's impossible. We cannot save ourselves. No way, no merit, no amount of religious activity, ritual, keeping of the law, squeezing, squirming, humbling ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. We are saved through faith alone, in Christ alone. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he bowed three times and he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cut pass from me. If there is salvation by any other means than the death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it would have been done that way because that was the prayer of Jesus. But there was no other way by which man can be saved, as Peter said, in Acts than by the name and the action of Jesus. So, faith makes the impossible possible. Then, according to Luke 18, 35 through 43, as Jesus is passing through Jericho, there's a blind man sitting on the side of the road and he hears a commotion And he begins to ask questions. What's going on? What's going on? Because he's blind. He can't see. But he hears. And somebody says, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And the moment he hears this, he begins to call out with everything in him. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd say, shh, stop that. You're making a spectacle. This is Jesus. Show some respect. Stop that. And the more they try to silence him, the more he cries out, Jesus, thou son of David. Why? Because faith is desperate for Jesus. Faith recognizes that Jesus, the son of David, is the only hope we have in this world. The only hope. Whatever situation you're going through, faith recognizes the answer is Jesus. Like those enthusiastic children in Sunday school, when you say, where was Jesus born? Jesus. That's the answer to everything. Have you ever noticed that? Those of you who have taught Sunday school, what kind of flower is this? Jesus. What would you eat for breakfast? Jesus. Okay, these are real questions. Jesus is a good answer. It's not the answer right now, but it's a good answer. But you see, he realizes that Jesus is the answer. The ultimate answer is Jesus. And he will not be silenced. Faith cannot be silenced because faith is so desperate for Jesus. And Jesus, we're told, stops. Just stops. And he commands that this blind man, Mark tells us his name is Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, be brought to him. I love how Jesus, in speaking with this man, doesn't assume, even though it's obvious that he's blind, but he says, what do you want me, the son of man, to do for you? What do you want done? Wow, what a blank check. I am that I am, is saying to Bartimaeus, What do you want me to do for you? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Here is Jesus, the Son of David, the Messiah, saying to this blind man, what is it? you want me to do for you now a blind man was an absolute outcast in those days they believed if someone was born with a defect like blindness or became blind during their life it was because of some sin and they absolutely deserved the condition that they were in and here's jesus saying to this blind man what do you want me to do for you and of course bartimaeus says lord my eyes that i may see Jesus touches him, and we're told immediately Bartimaeus could see, and he began to glorify God and follow Jesus. There was nothing keeping him from following Jesus, no possessions, no nothing. Jesus had just opened his eyes and given him what no one else could give him, sight. Okay, this is the number two, the big two. Who are those who ascertain faith? So in this chapter, chapter 18, we learn of those who receive faith and those who don't receive faith. Who qualifies for faith? We see that women as well as men can qualify for faith. We see that the poor or the rich qualify for faith. We see that those in need qualify for faith. We see those with adversaries and those without adversaries qualify for faith. The humble, those who know they are sinners, those who plead for mercy, those who wiggle and squirm and do all they can to get into the embrace of Jesus, not to get through the eye of the needle, but to get into the embrace of Jesus. Those who are willing to give up what they cannot keep for that which they cannot lose. Paul in Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8 said, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. But indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. This is what the rich young ruler could not do. But Paul did this. He said, I count them rubbish. Nothing will supersede my relationship with Jesus Christ. Those are the ones who can receive faith. The blind can receive faith and operate in faith. Beggars can receive faith. And those who come to him because he is the son of David and recognize him as the Messiah and Savior of the world come to him in faith. But who doesn't qualify? Who who doesn't receive faith? Those who think they can merit God's favor by good works and good endeavors. Anytime that you begin to compare yourself with someone else, beware, you are entering into the world of merit and not mercy. Any comparison, any competition you are entering into the world of merit and not mercy. In Luke
0: 18, we read of an encounter Jesus had with a rich young ruler. He was earnest, moral, and asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus systematically showed this rich young ruler that his morality, riches, influence, and all of his earthly advantages were actually disadvantages because the essential thing is faith. Faith in God alone is enough. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at three advantages of faith as we continue our Jesus Magnified study in the Gospel of Luke with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com.